and welcome to the Word of Life Church Podcast. We're delighted you've chosen to spend some time with us today. We believe that today's message has the power to inspire and elevate your faith journey. Before we dive in, we'd like to express our heartfelt thanks to our partners. Your generous contributions make it possible for us to continue spreading the gospel, serving our community, and carrying out our ministry. If today's episode moves you and you'd like to be a part of our mission, we'd invite you to become a partner. Your support has an everlasting impact and allows us to reach even more souls. Now, let's turn our hearts and our minds to the Word as we begin today's episode. It was actually early Friday morning. Um, the Lord gave me uh, the message, the continuation. And out of giving me this message, he literally laid something on my heart that we have all dealt with, be it we dealt with it this morning, uh, last week, last month, last year, or years, but something we have all dealt with, no matter the age, we have all dealt with this one thing. And with this, it really laid so heavily on my heart. He even took me to times when I dealt with it and things I had to navigate through in order to be standing where I am today. Uh, And so we will get to that in the message. And I really just want you all to, what you all do every single Sunday, uh, listen so well. And as I speak, I just want you to see and ask yourself, where are you in this moment as I share? Where where are you? So we know as we, as I talked last week, we talked about you know, purpose, the question, why am I here? That's the question of purpose. So just doing a recap, as we know, Ananias, he went to Saul. Saul was a murderer. Saul thought that was his purpose in life to kill Christians. Well, Ananias realized that the Lord wanted him to go to Saul's house. Three things he wanted to do, basically go to his house, place your hands on him. This is what he wanted Ananias to do, place his hands on him and restore sight. He wanted him to go to Saul's house, place his hands on him, and restore his sight. Because Saul literally felt what he was doing was the very thing that he was uh, created to do. And what I have realized that you and I, that literally, when it comes to our lives, when it comes to even your children's lives, that we are capable of much more than we are presently thinking Imagining, doing, or being. Say that again. We are capable of much more than we are presently thinking, imagining, doing, or being. Capable of so much more. And there will be things in our lives, in my life, that we see that we don't like. There will be things in our lives that we hear that we don't like. The question is, how do we deal with it when we hear it? How do we navigate through it when we see it? Let's go back to uh, Acts chapter uh, nine. Well, actually we was in Acts chapter six last Sunday, but let's go to Acts chapter nine. And I wanna look at something tying into, we're still talking about purpose. And uh, with this, 
Saul is now Paul. He's converted. He becomes a Christian. Ananias literally went to his house. He placed his hands on him, and he restored his sight. Now Saul is a Christian. He is now living for God, the very thing that he was against, the very thing that he said must not be, the very thing that he wrote to the king and saying, hey, let me go get these Christians, pull them out of the house, and put them in prison. So now Saul, he does something. He's uh, about to do something in Acts chapter 9, verses 20 through 27. Now that he is converted, he is a Christian. Saul spent several days, verse 20, Saul spent several days with the disciples. Everybody say disciples in Damascus. Well, that's verse 19, but we started at I said 20, but that was verse 19 that we started. So at once he began to preach in the synagogues, Jesus is the son of God. So here Saul is. He gets saved. He's born again. Now he's in Damascus. The disciple says yes. They accept him. And now he's in Damascus. They said, hey, we believe that you are a Christian. So. With this, let's go to verse 26. So still in Acts chapter 9, verse 26. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. Everybody say disciples. But they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. So in verse 19... He was accepted by the disciples in Damascus. You go over to verse 26. He was not accepted by the disciples in Jerusalem. Why? They were afraid. They didn't believe. Verse 27. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him And how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. Verse 28, so Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. So here's Saul. He's now Christian. The disciples in Damascus receive him. The disciples in Jerusalem don't receive him. They were afraid. But Barnabas, everybody say, but Barnabas. We all need a Barnabas in our life. So in this moment, he's accepted by the disciples in Damascus, but then he gets rejected by the disciples in Jerusalem. But Barnabas comes along and takes him to the apostles. The thing that the Lord laid on my heart that he wants us as a church to basically deal with and navigate with and through is the word rejection. We have all been rejected some way, somehow in our lives. And here's Saul, he's living for God, but he gets rejected by the disciples. They're afraid. I mean, who, who wouldn't be afraid? I mean, you, you know him for killing folks. I don't know if I'm going to let you in my house myself. You know what I'm saying? Um, 
I don't know. Is he real or is he not real? But also, too, say they didn't believe. But Barnabas took him. Barnabas grabbed him by the hand and he took them to some people. He took them to the apostles. He took them to teachers. And Saul began to live out his purpose even more. Let's define rejection. Rejection. The act of refusing to accept, use, or believe someone or something. Being rejected can make you believe you have to prove yourself to someone or people to get their acceptance or prove them wrong. You ever felt that way that you have to prove yourself to someone because they didn't accept you? Or a statement that you said and it's like, oh, that's not true, that's not real, but that power of being rejected in that moment. You know, even for me, the Lord gave me just different things that as a congregation battling with. It's nothing negative, but it's like in things in life we battle with. The rejection from a family member, the rejection from a dad, from a mom, the rejection of a job and not receiving a promotion, the rejection Even in a a high school, you know, you go out for a football team or basketball team and you don't make the team. Uh, The rejection, uh, you can say, of relationships, the rejection of dating. You you thought this was the person and they were not the person, the rejection. So you go from relationship to relationship, trying to to fill that void, trying to feel and, and prove that you are worthy, that you are good, that you do deserve the time of someone to spend time with you. So you go through life not realizing that you're hurt, that you're wounded through rejection. And here Saul is, he gets rejected, but he has a Barnabas. You know, I was watching uh, the ESPN, it's called A Football Life, and it talks about this player, DeMarcus Ware. He started out with the Cowboys and he ended up with the Denver Broncos. But out of this, he shared his story that at the age of three, his father was not in the house. His father had left. And he had that question, why? Where's my dad? Where's my dad? So all through life, he's growing up. Well, fast forward, he gets over into the Hall of Fame, inducted into the Hall of Fame. But he learns about forgiveness. Everyone say forgiveness. He learns about forgiveness. So here he is on the largest platform that he says of life. And on that platform, he's giving his speech. He said the only two words that he remember his father saying is, I'm sorry. That's all he remembers at a young age. So now he finally sees his father years and years now after going through football. And he's at the Hall of Fame and he says, Dad, I forgive you. You hear the people applaud, you hear them cheer, you you see the tears start coming down his eyes. And it was in that moment you could see that for years he battled with rejection. But even for him, he had people in his life that encouraged him to move from the place of wondering why his dad wasn't there to realizing, hey, that's just a choice my dad made. I will not allow that to affect me for the rest of of my life. Even for me, high school, (laughs) 
in church. I don't even know why I'm sharing this story, but this is a story that the Lord told me to share. Whenever he tell you to share it, you don't make excuses, you share it. So you know you in church, and it's like, here I am. I'm in high school, matter of fact. It's a young lady. We're both in youth together. And I'm just like, ooh, she likes me. I like her. And so we start dating, so we call. But we never went out for a date or anything. It was just a phone call date. I didn't have a car, you know. So the only time we saw each other was Wednesday night youth and Sunday morning church and Sunday night church. So lo and behold, finally got my dad's uh, vehicle. It was months later. Um, And she was at the store. Anybody remember Sears Metro Center? That's how young I am. So we make an agreement, go out to lunch. I show up. I'm early. There's a young man at the counter. Like, okay, man, get your clothes and go. I got a date, baby. So I thought. <laughs> Lo and behold, the young man stays there. It felt like, for me, hours. But it was only maybe 10, 15 minutes. So I had to go up and say, hey, hey, you know, excuse me, you know, you ready for lunch? She looked at me as though she did not know me. So lo and behold, I'm just like, wow, what do I do? I know I'm a Christian, but if I do something to him, I'm probably going to end up in jail. So I'm like, oh, let me just step back. So literally I step back. And so lo and behold, a few minutes later, they walk off. They go to the food court. Of course, I followed them. I'm like, where are they going? Yeah. <laughs> so... They go to the food court, and she's having lunch. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Now, this is high school. I'm navigating this all the way from 1994 to 2005. Rejection. And I'm like, how could this happen? We're in youth together. We're praising the Lord together. I'm like, this hurt. So I'm in the relationship, another relationship, another relationship, another relationship. And it's like, man, no, no one is filling the void. So I thought, but I'm battling with rejection. But Barnabas, thank God for Barnabas. I remember Brother Curtis and I get into a small group and we just start having conversations and And he just started sharing things with me, so much so that I was dealing with rejection. I didn't realize that I had even pushed family members out of my life, talking about my dad and mom. I know many of you all see the relationship that I have with my dad and mom. I did not have that for years because I did not know that I was battling with rejection. I did not know that I was hurt because of that one incident, it was still embedded in me. And now I want to live for God. I want to serve him, but I can't because that is in me. The purpose of God is still in me, but I can't pursue it because I don't realize rejection is in front of me. I don't realize rejection is in my heart. And so now all of a sudden I'm like, I'm trying to prove myself to people. 
I'm trying to show that I'm worthy. I'm trying to show that, hey, you can accept me. I'm trying to show, hey, you can believe in me. I'm trying to show, hey, I'm the man, I'm the guy, not realizing I don't have to prove myself to you. I don't have to prove myself to them. That was what I was saying, but I didn't realize that. You know, God says that too, that we don't have to prove ourselves to people. He says, and I think it's 2 Timothy, study to show yourself, approve unto who? Unto God. Not to man, not to woman. So I can't live my life of purpose because I'm battling with rejection. What's interesting about this, uh, last night I was on my way home and I was like, you know what? Let me listen to our function 6 p.m. service. So I get on there and... And Pastor Joel is talking. He's talking about the favor of God. But he said something that when he said, I was like, oh, that hit, that hit. He was saying that since um, August, he's been in prayer time, that we're about to go into a season about an open door. An open door, meaning like the door is just open. You don't have to touch it. It's already open. All you have to do is just walk through it. And I said, wow. I get it, Lord, on why he wanted me to make sure we handle rejection now. Because even though we can be in a season of an open door, if I'm still battling with rejection, I will walk past the open door. And then I'm wondering, God, where are you? And he's like, I'm right there. The open door, my bad, the open door. But I don't know. That I can't go through the open door because I still have rejection in my heart. So I'm like, God, what is going on? And he's like, I need you to deal with this the same way Barnabas dealt with the rejection that Saul was facing. Because Saul was standing in his purpose. He was speaking truth with the word of God. But he was rejected. But Barnabas took him. Barnabas grabbed him by the hand and he got him among the right people. Purpose. Purpose. I want to make sure I say this right. I got it in my notes. Yeah. Purpose, contributors or robbers. Who you keep company with? People. Where you spend your time? Places. For me, for years, I rehearsed that scene at Sears over and over and over and over and over and over again. So much so. There was an open door for me with the job because I've been praying, Lord, can you give me a job? I need a job. Jesus. Open door, right? So at the time, I had left this uh, part-time job and I went to Tuscaloosa. And I got the call from the business owner. He said, hey, Robert, he said, man, I, I know you've been looking for a job. I want to keep you. But it's like, I know you called me. Watch this. I know you called me for money. But, man, I want to offer you a job. I said, oh, man, just give me the money. Watch this. $300 versus a full-time management position that after one year, 
it would put me in the position to be over three of his businesses. But I settled for the $300. I'm battling with rejection. But I don't know it. To me, the $300 is my purpose. Because I'm so looking at what I need in that moment, not realizing what I need is not the $300. I need someone to come and place their hands on me and restore my sight. So much so that was what he was trying to do, but he couldn't do it because I didn't see it. I was focused on the $300. But Barnabas, but Barnabas came into my life and began to speak to me. I can remember dad and mom wanted fast forward. Dad and mom wanting to go to Disney World. I'm like, oh, okay, let's go to Disney World. But before then, (laughs) I was the driver. This was in 2003. I was the driver. So I'm battling with rejection, 1994 all the way to 2005. I was the driver to go to the casino with the boys. Because at the casino, you get free drinks, you get alcohol. I'm, I'm just sharing with y'all why, why we're going through this path. <laughs> y'all all right. Y'all all right. Y'all in church. Yeah, y'all in church. Y'all in church. Y'all in church. Not a podcast. It's a sermon. Y'all in church. So I'm the driver. Because I only took $25 to play blackjack, but then I didn't drink. So I was a designated driver. Because at, al- at the casinos, you get free alcohol. So anyway, some way, somehow, my, my bank card ends up with me at the casino. If I lose $25, then I'm going to the ATM, lose all my money in the checking account. But I got to go to Disney World with my parents. I'm thinking, man, I'm the son. I want to I pay the way. I don't want them to think about nothing. Y'all, I'm broke. So I call up the guy, you know, one of my friends. He lets me borrow money. We go to Disney World. We're on our way coming back. We at Hattiesburg at a restaurant. Never forget it. We're there eating. Man, I break down and I tell my parents everything that I have been navigating through. My dad was like, man, do we need to go back to Disney World? So you can tell us some more. But it was in that moment I realized I had been battling with rejection. And all I wanted was someone to accept me. All I wanted was someone to approve of me. But I didn't realize God had already done that. I didn't realize God had already approved of me. You know, they'll pull it up on the screens. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 33. You don't have to open your Bible, I, I believe. Uh, like I said, there, yep, there it is. So it says, Saul replied. This is David. Let me give you context. David hears something. He sees something. And he's like, man, I'm tired of this Goliath making noise. I'm tired of this Goliath for 40 days speaking. I know I'm a shepherd boy and I'm bringing sandwiches to my brothers, but there is so much more in my life than bringing sandwiches. And I hear this Philistine, this Goliath been talking for 40 days and no one is doing anything and I don't like it. 
And Saul, I mean, uh, David responds. He asks the question because he's like, what will be given to take this giant out? And lo and behold, this is what Saul replies when David said he wants to fight him. He said, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man and he has been a warrior from his youth. What does that sound like? Rejection. What does that sound like? Man, there's no way you can fight him. There is no way you have what it takes to take him out. You are only a young man and he has been a warrior from his youth. But we know the story. David didn't allow Saul's voice to stop him from fulfilling his purpose. Even in that moment, he was rejected. But he stood up and spoke and he took out the Goliath that had been speaking for 40 days. So today. This is what we're going to do. If you want to, it's totally up to you. I'm just doing what God told me to do. For 40 days, for 40 months, for 40 years. It doesn't matter the age. You've been dealing with rejection. And today, musicians, you can come up today. God wants to place his hands on you because you're already in his house. He wants to place his hands on you and restore your sight. But the question is, will you allow him to lay his hands on you? Will you allow him to pray with you because there is an open door for you. But the question is, will you walk through the open door? The open door of your purpose, the open door of your heart's desire, the open door of knowing who you are in Christ. You already know it, but there's just some rejection, a voice that has told you, I don't accept you. That has told you, I don't believe in you. But God has said, I have accepted you. I have chosen you. You are my beloved daughter. You are my beloved son. And God is saying that to get into this next season, I can't get into it. You can't get into it if we're still battling with rejection because rejection shows us something that is not true. It doesn't show us the plan of God for our lives. It shows us the lie that the enemy has sent and the enemy has said. So I just want to do something just real simple that we even see that where when Ananias went to Saul's house, he said, brother Saul, I have come here to restore your sight. And this morning, God is saying, you are in my house. And I want to restore your sight because there are some things you've been navigating through since you was a child, even right now as an adult. And simply the way we're going to do this, I'm going to call our prayer team up in a minute. 
And if you have, notice I said we all have battled with rejection some way, somehow. And that's just the enemy trying to attack you, trying to attack me from stopping and doing the plan of God. From doing the will of God. Because he knows God has a purpose for your life. God is saying, I love you so much that I will wake a young man out of his sleep at 3.30 in the morning and put you on his heart to make room for me in this service because I want to place my hand on you and I want to restore your sight Because I want you to rehearse the words that will come forth in this time of prayer that will be spoken in your ears. That when it's spoken in your ears and now you look at the mirror at yourself, you're not reminded of what the person said who rejected you. You're reminded of the one who created you. You're reminded of the one who believes in you. You're reminded of the one that placed his spirit on the inside of you and called you his own. You're reminded of the one that created this opportunity and this moment for you. So prayer team, y'all can go ahead and